0: is episode 66 of the Modern Drawing Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host will be joining us shortly as Mr. Mike Dawson, Managing Editor of Modern Drawing Magazine. This time around, Mike gets to have his choice, so we will go over his song of choice. In our education section, we will talk about something that we each like to do with the book Stick Control. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Ash Stone. In our gear review section, Mike will be checking out the Gretsch Full Range Hammered Steel Snare. We get to a bunch of your listener questions, and as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Bro, that, that was, we haven't had one of those talks in a while. That was necessary. Oh, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. God darn it, that was necessary. Episode 66. 666. Six, six. Six, yeah, it went a little dark there. It went a little dark. Hey, how are you, bud?
1: I am doing great. You know, it was a crazy week. We launched our reader's poll a couple days ago. I'm aware, and congratulations for your nomination, thank you, sir. Um, anyone who's interested in voting, you can go to our website and just click the link. We did get tons of traffic on the first day and it it bogged down our site and then we got hit with someone who decided to hack us. so welcome to my world. yeah, so it kind of our site's been kind of up and down for the past few days, so if you can't get in today, I mean it's open until December fifteenth so please just come back and, and try we We want everyone to vote. Uh, it is limited to one entry per IP address, so mm. if you're in like a music school with other drummers, unfortunately, only one of you is going to get the vote. But just go somewhere else, go to Starbucks or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, man, that's it's a it's a tough thing uh, I can say as someone that's been nominated f- for a few years, um, and uh, it's like you want to let people know the voting exists. You want to tastefully say, if I'm in your, oh, you yeah. know, if I'm in your list. I would love for the vote, but at the same time, you don't – I feel that it's kind of – I don't want to turn it into a social media popularity contest where it's like – when I look at some of the people that are in my category, there are a few of them that literally don't use social media. So I could leverage social media if I wanted to to win this thing, and I don't want to do that. So it's like how do I be casual about it? So I think I'm actually going to post a picture of um, the categories that both Ash and – uh, Carter, are in I, I just want to congratulate them for being nominated, and that's probably how I'll remind people to vote. Mm-hmm. And once you're voting, it's like I'm in one of those lists. If you see me and you want to vote, go for it. But I really do think if you if somebody touched you on an educational level, that sounds gross. If somebody <laughs> changed your vibe and and made you uh, ha- Jesus, this is going south. If if you went to a clinic and it, and it it, it la- had an impression. <laughs> Just vote for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> if, it, if there was a lasting impression from another educator, vote for that person. Gosh darn it. Holy crap. Well, this one's oh, going man. good. So we do
1: have a lot of people ask, like, how do the nominations get selected? So yeah. uh, it is – is it's not a completely scientific process, but we what we do is we consider all the people that had significant coverage in the magazine in the past year or had significant – Contributions to the drumming community in the past year. So it's not like all-time greatest educator, all-time greatest right, sure. session drummer, all-time greatest whatever. Right. It's, we're just factoring in 12 months. We do it every year. So that's right. kind of our way to, you know, you can't have a prog category without Neil Peart in it. But what if Neil Peart didn't do anything this year, which he didn't? They effectively right. retired. So that's why some of the names you won't see in certain categories every single time. Mm. Okay. Because it's kind of hard when it's a fusion category. How is it not Billy Cobham and Dave Weckl and Vinny Cayuta every Vinnie Caluta, single yeah. year? So that's kind of how the, those nominations are determined. It's just within factoring the past 12 months. And we always leave a write-in option. So if there's someone that you think we yeah. just overlooked, you can write it in.
0: You can campaign and I think who's I mean, not nominated. Maybe you can tell me if this is right or not. But I've always thought the write-in nomination was the best place to – alert you guys of somebody that maybe slipped through the cracks for you guys because there's too many drummers for you guys to cover but if you notice that some guy you've never heard of got you know 15 percent of the votes for fusion yeah you're like wow like we should check this guy out i mean yeah. is that do you can you see that kind of stuff can you, oh, yeah. you find names that way it's happened
1: i believe maybe
0: four years ago
1: the country category was won by a write-in it was won by ben really? cesar yeah Oh wow! He wasn't—he awesome. wasn't one of the names we nominated, but he won. So yeah, that happens. I mean, every we, we get the complete list. We consider every name that's that's added. I that's mean, there's true. the obvious uh, Joe Schmo from from wherever puts his own name in every category. Of course, that happens all the time. Or you know, Neil Peart gets written in in every category. That stuff happens. Okay. But we're hoping that having the nominations kind of eliminates that. You know, it's it it's just like any, any kind of election. You don't you don't just give it the great. You, know, you don't have choices from 8 billion people to, to choose from. Right. We, we try to right. will it down to the ones that – it is it is a reader's poll, so we have to mm-hmm. figure that they, their name should have at least been included in the magazine once in point, that year. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, sure. it's not a reader's poll. It's just a popularity contest.
0: Right. So, yeah, that's awesome. open for the next uh, five and a half weeks, so get them in. Well, it's cool, man. I, like I said, I, I talked to Carter a little bit just about how cool it is. The win is seeing your name in that block. That's the win. Right? Yeah, right. you just go like, like, oh, cool, I'm nominated. And then you look at the next four people, and you're like, uh, those. I have all of their autographs. Right. Uh, okay. I don't. You know, the win means it's not that it doesn't mean anything, but it, it's like that's the win. And I was telling Carter, I'm like, bro, look at the names that you are next to. Right. These are legends. This is so cool. So awesome. Very cool. Well. We need to get to a song because I hijacked your pick last week. <laughs> Unbeknownst to you, I thought we were doing one song. You prepared something. You changed, uh, you know, changed the format. I mean, don't let me know ahead just of time. Just, I know, just, far for the course. Just, <laughs> let's change the rules. <laughs> I wonder if anyone out So there next knows. week, we're giving away Mike's broadcaster drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> Mike will pay for shipping. Just write in any two words that Mike says way too often. Um, so. Uh, this is uh, one of your favorite drummers. And this video is much different than the one that I've seen on the Modern Drummer Festival DVD. Right. right. This was easier for me to watch because I, I couldn't connect to – I'm assuming – so let's just kind of – do you want to tell people what it is? And I want to talk about the video that's on the DVD and then the video you sent me. Yeah. So this is something I've referenced probably ad nauseum. It's it's Glenn Cochie's solo
1: drum piece called Monkey Chant. And it's featured on his album Mobile from five or six years ago. I think the entire record is a is a must check out for everyone. But you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper into the concepts behind what he's doing. If you just listen to it as music, some of it's just so abstract you don't know what the hell's going on. But when you get into like, because he does a lot of detailed analysis of the concept behind all the pieces and the liner notes, and you can search online and find it. He's a very thoughtful dude. He's very studied. He knows a ton about composition and orchestration. He's always experimenting with stuff. So the Monkey Chant was kind of his you know, marquee, his big piece that he put out for that record. And he used that for clinics and, and everything else. So that's, that's the piece. It's just solo drums, him and him a really crazy, kooky drum
0: set. Right. And so <clears throat> on the Modern Drummer DVD, do you remember what year that was? I uh, don't. It might have been thousand six or okay, something like that. I'll find so, out. So on that DVD, while you're talking, I'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> on that DVD, he's playing this thing, but then there's a lot of cuts to an actual, I guess, animation of some sort of war that's going on between some. I don't know what the hell's going on. All yeah. I know is when I walk out in my lobby at one a.m. and that thing's playing, that video scares the crap out of me. Two thousand six, S- by the way. Okay, well, for then for 10 years, that video's been scaring the hell out of me. (laughs) I'm assuming if you were at the festival, was that being played on the screen? Like, where did that video content come from? Yeah, so that video was made after he put the album out,
1: after he'd done a bunch of shows, a bunch of solo drum shows. I believe it was his drum tech just decided to create an animation for this piece. So it wasn't something that he originally had conceived as part of this. It It was done after the fact, and then as a result his performances had to kind of be a little more codified and, and follow the animation. Uh, the animation tells the whole story. So the whole piece monkey Chan is based on this, uh, this opera. Um, I don't remember the country where it originates, but it's, it's in Asia. Uh, the, the, uh, Rama, Ramayana is the name of the, the piece. Okay. Uh, so it's this opera where you know people get together and they act it out. So he okay. took that piece and took some of the musical chant elements and transcribed it for drums. And he assigned characters to each element of his drum kit. Um, so the whole thing tells a story. It's it's. It's not 100% scripted, but there is a flow that he has to follow, so there's okay. definitely room for him to improvise in each section, but he has to have all the main scenes, the big conflict and the resolution and all that stuff. I did print out – because I interviewed him about this uh, this piece a while back for his cover story, and I printed out some excerpts of him explaining the piece so I could kind of read a little bit about it um, or at least let's talk about the drums. So. The most important, most interesting thing is he took his snare drum and created this weird effects instrument out
0: of it. That's so cool, man. That's so so what, cool.
1: If you've ever seen a lion's roar from like orchestra or whatever, it's basically a big like tom with a single headed tom with a stick or a rope stuck through the head. And then you rub that stick or that rope and it creates like a, a roaring sound. So he took that idea and applied it to a snare drum. He got one of those Evans SD dry heads, that has little pinholes in it. Yep. And he just he just started sticking like fishing line and stuff through it and and beeswax. So then when he rubbed it, it sounded like a lion's roar. So that was the the origins of the idea. And then he just kind of went nuts. It's like let me try uh, springs <laughs> and all kinds those of springs stuff. are incredible, man. <laughs> and then he tapes a contact mic to it, so that contact mic can go through. Uh, delay pedals and loopers and distortion and all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's got it so sensitive that he can actually rub his fingernail on the drum head and that creates another sound, um, sandpaper. He'll scrape sandpaper with rods and stuff. So it's, it's not drum sit performance. It's more, more akin to multiple percussion and the kind of contemporary classical world. Yeah which is he's he's heavily trained in that world he's actually the bulk of his work now is to do commission work for percussion ensembles and orchestras and stuff So okay. he's, he's a legit composer um, i think after wilco he'll probably go full-on into that world um so anyway so he he studied those that that opera and just assigned different elements to it so he's got a he's got a cocktail floor tom so he's hitting that on the bottom with the pedal, and he's hitting it with his right hand. That creates this constant engine, and that sound is the army, of the army, like, marching on. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of—it's just a really cool piece. So the video, yeah, the Modern Drummer video is—I don't think it's his best performance. It's a it's a odd venue to try to do that kind of piece. Right. Um, and he also took to stage right after Thomas Lang and Louis Conte. <laughs> <laughs> and I was standing with him in the wings— and he looked over at me, like towards the end of Thomas's performance. You know, Thomas was doing his, you know, a bazillion notes on a acrylic kit, and the lights were flashing, and right. He's wearing sunglasses. sunglasses on. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I remember. <laughs> full so, T length, yeah, going so, for it. So
1: Glenn looked over to me and he goes, "Well, I'm not going to be the best drummer on stage, but I'm definitely going to be the weirdest." <laughs> and that was right before he went on.
0: That's perfect, man.
1: So you, I mean, the, so the vibe in the room was it was tough. I mean, was it was in a big theater where he's used to playing smaller venues and stuff sure he's still i think it was, still came off great but the version that i sent you is a is a, a piece is a version that they had more control of the filming it was actually oh, directed by md
0: i didn't even honestly i didn't even look at it i thought, I thought no the, the one i sent you from, is yeah. uh, uh brendan canty the drummer from fugazi i got it he's a filmmaker I got it. so he now got I'm, together yeah, with I'm, it I literally just pressed play, and um, and I just, right away, I was like, man, you know, I've never really seen him do this stuff. I've heard it, yeah, but the video took over, or the animation took over the playing, so I didn't get to really see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so abstract um, in a DVD context. That's why I was wondering if maybe did that video, well, the one thing I still don't know is when he played this at the Modern Drummer Festival, was that video playing behind him? Did the crowd was, see that? It was video? on a,
1: like an overhead screen, a giant okay. projector screen, and he had like a little monitor in front of him. So some of the footage it. of him performing, you can
0: see the monitor. Because yeah, uh, I think it'd be cool if you know if I if I could have seen both at the same time. I mean, obviously this is made ten years ago, but uh, when the video you sent me, I just got to see him, and it was like there's a lot of sounds that come out of the kit that cannot be explained because the the animation was all I saw yeah, yeah so getting to see like I don't I don't think I ever got to see him play those springs on his snare until the video you sent me yeah and I was like oh that's how he's making that's what those springs do that's a <laughs> yeah. cool noise um so yeah it's a so for any of you any of you guys that want to see what we're talking about um on YouTube it would just be Glenn Kochi and it's k-o-t-c-h-e uh and then monkey chant dash movie by Brendan Canty Yeah, the
1: drummer from Fugazi, who's one of my favorite bands of all time. Nice, man. Really? Cool. So that piece, I think, is a great study on how to apply everything that we learn in drumming in a totally non-drumming way. Yeah. There's a lot of four-way independence. There's a lot of soloing. There's chops. He's done a lot of flam kind of things. But it never once sounds like, oh, there's the drum section. There's There's the 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 solo part. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing melodies on cortales and melodies on uh, tuned bells and stuff. A lot of independence in that piece. Yeah,
0: I I really love um, his use of the kalimba. Like he doesn't try to like rip kalimba. He finds three notes that are extremely musical and can create a melody, and he plays them with a lot of space. And yeah, I mean, it's funny. There's there's like hand patterns that he's doing that are very common, like stick control hand patterns. But one hand is playing. The right hand is playing a weird noise, and then the left hand is his fingernail on the. On the kalimba, yeah. But I'm just going like, dude, that's like that's like page ten out of stick control, yeah. But it sounds so cool. It sounds, it sounds so, so good, right? cool. Yeah. And yeah. Got it's, a, it's amazing. One, there's a
1: there's a I think it's one only one section where he's rolling on the uh, the cocktail drum, and mm-hmm. he grabs a tube that he has like stuck into the air vent, and that's taped so it's airtight. So he's playing like a long double stroke roll on the cocktail drum, and then blowing air into the drum. Which raises the pitch, pitch, yeah, and then wow. he then he lets the air out and brings the pitch back down. He just does it once in the whole piece, but that's like that's... first time I
0: saw him do that. I was like, who is this madman grabbing like tubes mad. and stuff? Because tubes Isn't are it... just weird. I mean, it's weird to yeah. see tubes. Yeah, it's just medical. <laughs> it's like I don't want to be a part of it. That you know, uh, it's funny how one thing because that thing's you know close to twenty minutes long, or it can yeah. be between fifteen and twenty minutes long. It's funny how one thing can stick out. Because I remember at Modern Drummer, I guess. 2003, whichever one Nathaniel Townsley played at, mm. the only thing that I will remember for the rest of my life is the B3 player turning on and off his organ while playing, and that was his effect. <laughs> he's just pressing the power button on and off, and it's like, and I'm like, oh, and every time we watch that solo with my campers, I'm always saying, like, wait, wait, he's going to turn the organ on and off. It's really cool. Um, or, or I don't know if it's, does does a B3 have a Leslie in it? Do you know? No, like, you got you to hook it up to, to a Leslie. Okay, so I'm wondering if he's turning off the power to the Leslie or what, or maybe mm. just the power to the organ. But either way, he's hitting the power button, and the whole thing's going on and off, and it's, it's awesome, man. And those things just stick out. So if it's Glenn pulling out a, a tube and uh, blowing yeah. into a tom, then, you know. What that's I cool. lo- love so, about him yeah. is his commitment. Like, like oh. I go, like, what's the least amount
1: of effort I have to do to make something happen? <laughs> right. He's like, no, I've got to have this, this. – he's got one of those LP portable conga drums or whatever. And he uses okay. it for like two seconds. It's like okay, you but set it has that to thing be up, or he's got one of those spiral symbols, those zildjian spiral symbols that he hits like twice. Right, it's right, like, right. What? And he 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 told me that he carries. There's a fruit basket that he uses in that piece that has a contact mic on it. And he he's like, yeah, I have to carry that fruit basket with me all around the world because I can't play this piece without it.
0: So he really, like packs of spiral shaped fruit basket to What a that's <laughs> no, awesome man yeah, hey so it. for for people that might not know that they've actually seen him um, what I'm looking it up right now is it maybe Delta Faucets oh what no what Faucet commercial is he in is or is it is Moen it, yeah I think so I'm looking at it, it says Delta Faucet commercial featuring Glenn Kochi, but I thought it was I thought it was something bigger I thought it was Moen or, or Kohler or something
1: yeah I think it, it's um, Delta I'm pretty sure
0: okay but yeah so uh, if if you just youtube that delta faucet tv commercial you'll see uh glenn Kochi doing his thing with faucets which yeah. is pretty epic it's pretty cool. pretty epic yeah so very cool stuff will everyone check it out well actually they can check it out right now right
1: we're gonna play yeah. a clip from it yeah i'm gonna grab uh one of the sections where he's just going nuts on the snare jump with all the springs and stuff
0: perfect So it's time to talk about education. I wanted to talk about the book Stick Control. And in my mind, and I don't know if everyone or every educator feels this way, but books like Stick Control and Syncopation are best served with a teacher because on their own, they can be a little bit boring. And once you have a teacher that tells you, now do this, now do this, that's when the light shines through and these books become genius, in my opinion. Um, I mean, when you think about syncopation, it's literally... It's like 45 pages of syncopated rhythms. Yeah. Right you, don't, you don't really need it. But, but then once a teacher tells you what to do with it, that book – there's a reason why I still have that book 30 years later and I'm still getting use out of it. Because yeah. every time I come up with a new ostinato, I'm like, all right, let me go grab summary one from syncopation and see if I can do that with my left hand or whatever. Yeah. So so I know we've actually talked about uh, syncopation and what we like to do with that book. So I wanted to talk about stick control. And I hate to say this, but I don't know who the author of Stick Control is. George right Longstone. Okay. Um, so if you guys don't have it, it's just a book of sticking patterns. And if you don't know what sticking is, sticking is the ordering of rights and lefts in an order generally other than single strokes. So we have single strokes. And then from that moment on, as soon as you start changing the order of rights and lefts, then you have your sticking patterns. And that's where our paradiddles come in. All of our rudiments that don't have flams or uh, drags pretty much our sticking rudiments and we're changing the order of rights and lefts. Now, if you have a single surface, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, if you listen to somebody play singles, doubles, paradiddles, paradiddles, with no accents on a single surface, you can't really hear it. So if you really want to hear why sticking is so important, just put your hands on two different sound surfaces And then singles, paradiddles, double strokes, they don't even sound relative to each other. Um, All played at the same rate of speed. So it it takes multiple surfaces to really get the point of this stuff. So stick control is an entire book of that kind of stuff. So I wanted to talk to you, Mike, about what do you do with stick control other than, let's say somebody can play the first couple pages. Yeah, What's, What's something you do with it to make it unique? Stick control came to me after I'd already been playing about nine years. Okay. So
1: I'd already spent so much time on rudiments and reading and, and all the basic foundations. So the the day I got introduced to stick control was from my new drum set teacher, and it was immediately interpretation of stick control. It was never like practice stick control because uh-huh. I'd already done all that that homework prior. So yeah. from day one, it was like this is a book to use to fuel a bunch of creative ideas. Um, right. He would have me mostly in a jazz style. So one of my okay. favorite – Applications is to read the rhythms um, as triplets, so oh. the sticking stays the same, but you read it as triplets, and then you replace you instead of playing the R's with the right hand, you play the R's with the bass drum.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so it
1: becomes and then you play oh, the swing okay. pattern with so, the right hand.
0: Oh okay, <clears throat> okay. So you're playing swing with the right hand. Yep. And then two and four left. with the left foot. Yep. And then, and then the rights in what are the rights in the book? That is your bass that's drum. That's the bass drum. And the, and lefts, the lefts are the lefts. On the snare. Yep. And, and are you playing straight triplets or are you just swinging the rhythm as, as swung eighth like da 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 no, da? No, straight triplets. So, so ba da, da 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 da. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in those first pages when there's a ton of lefts, that can be tough. Yep. Uh, or or yeah. is it in the first pages or was it later? I, I don't remember. But yeah. I know that on some of them it's like right and then six lefts. Yeah, um, exactly. You
1: know. well, I mean, we kind of focus on the first thirteen or so exercises when you get up okay. to the four in a row because after after that it just gets in the compounds of singles right. for four eighth notes and then doubles right. for four. Which is you can do that as well, but we just focused on those as a as an independence exercise. I think it was one to thirteen, whatever goes up to yeah. four rights and four lefts.
0: That's really cool. So what play a great those idea! As
1: triplets, um, great independence exercise, and then you could. Instead of using the right foot, you can use the left foot. So you're now you're doing your left foot independence against the oh, snare. Wow. Uh, that was one interpretation. Mm. Another one that I f- thought was really fun was the the all the R's on the page are your feet, but the feet okay. alternate. So you start with the right the, on the first R, the second R, you play the hi hat. Ah. But the left hand still, is still in swing,
0: still triplets, still in swing, oh, okay. and the left hand is still playing all the L's. Okay, so let me ask you this, because my drummer brain—I'm not in teacher mode right now. I'm in student mode because I've never done this. With that, do you play this in three-bar phrases, though? So it eventually resolves on the one. Because I'm assuming—I uh, can't remember—is it written in one bar or is it written in four bars per line?
1: I think it's two bars per
0: line. Two bars. Yeah. So because it would take three bars of eighth notes to to create twenty-four notes, which would give you, um, which would give you two bars of triplets, um.
1: No, we we just played as four bar phrases. So just keep repeating the sticking until you get to the four you, bars. And okay, they, okay. Then
0: switch, yeah. And then I got Cool, man. That's that's very. I, like I said, my brain would have to. I'd be like, where does it land? Where do I? Where do I get to hit the big round crash? Well, <laughs> that was kind of the point of it was. Um, it, it became this, like, seamless
1: flow of right. figures that you could kind of weave in and out of, and you don't have to resolve. You don't have to stop. You could change. You could just start talk. on beat two. You can start on beat three. Yeah. And it, it, it really was – it kind of just gave me the, the independence mentally and physically to when I was actually playing jazz. I could throw in little triplet things. It didn't have to be, like, beat one to beat one. It could just be right. – Half of a right. measure or just one beat. Yeah. I mean, but it was really was, a great independence. That was the whole thing. It was like my foot and hand were now able to just
0: flow without thinking about what I'm doing. I think that's what independence is supposed to be. I, I, I talked to when you guys had me on the cover, you let me interview my favorite drummer is about independence right. i don't know if you remember that but yeah. i got to send them questions and will kennedy's answer was pretty much that he was like well independence is so that i can play whatever the hell i want it's not so i can tell somebody that i can do yeah. paradiddles with my hands while doing double paradiddles with my feet if it's it so sounds that in like the crap, moment cares, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly it's so that in the moment uh <laughs> Uh, it's So in the, in the moment, like you can do what you want to do, and that's that's I think that's what independence is: is that hey, this thing just happened musically just now, and I'm going to respond to it. I don't want to think about is it two rights, is it two lefts, is it a kick? Yeah, how do I get out on one? It's just like, I mean, I, I I talked to not to bring him up again, but I talked to Carter the other day. We finally, so we've spent our I guess the last four months or so talking nothing but watches and watch straps, and, <laughs> and at some point we realized. <laughs> do you know that we've never talked about drumming? And so we started talking about drumming and he was talking about my flow. And I said, Oh, I don't, I don't have any flow. That's all. I I know exactly what I'm doing. It's all, um, worked out. It's all memorized. And he's like, really? He's like, I I couldn't do that. Like my problem is that I play. And then somebody asks me, what did I do? And he's like, I don't know what I just did. It just happened in the moment. And that's definitely somewhere that I'm trying to get closer to. But I think that that's, that's a beautiful freedom is that, it's kind of like saying, what did you just say 20 seconds ago? It's like, I don't know. I was just speaking. Well, yeah. shouldn't that be how music is? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just talking, you know? And I think that that exercise is fantastic. Yeah, that's why I tend to practice things that aren't specific. They're kind of global,
1: like yes. like this type of thing. The concept is continuous triplets that go between your bass drum and snare drum. And you should be yeah. able to change that in any way you want without thinking, now I'm playing the paradiddle. Now I'm playing the inverted right. paradiddle. I'm just, I'm just right. playing a phrase and using yeah. a certain application of a sticking. But I don't – I never think of it as here's exercise four. I just kind of go down the list right. and then
0: – Yeah, well, I think what happens is you have to have a place to start because you can't have the phrases. You can't speak until you have some basic vocabulary. So that's what those first 13 exercises are for. It's right. like let me get you just some basic words. But th- I think the problem is – and I'm dealing with this in my courses, which is – or dealing with this in my courses, which is, okay, I just gave you the vocabulary, but you don't understand. That's not that's the whole reason I gave you the vocabulary was so you could go speak. Yeah. If you don't now spend an hour a day practicing actually trying to have a conversation between your left hand and your right foot, well then then you're literally gonna sound like somebody that's just learning Spanish. You're gonna be able to say where is the bathroom? My name is Michael. Yeah, but that. But you can't speak. Here can is, just is go, the paradiddle. Here is yeah. the blush. Though. Yeah, Donde el baño? You know, and that and that's all you'll be able to do. So I think that that stuff is really important. So, well, I know for one of the things that I, you and I have talked about before, and I have done this with stick control, is replacing each right and left with a grouping of notes so uh-huh. that right equals and left equals. And I think when I talked to you about it. You said it might be a Joe Morello thing. It might be an Alan Dawson thing. Yeah, I don't know I'm if we pretty were ever... sure. Well, that was one of the things that, that my
1: teacher shared with me as well, and he was a Morello student, so I can only assume okay. that, that that spawned from him.
0: Like, play every right as a paradiddle, and every left right. is something else. Right, yeah, yeah, sure. So. So, yeah, so I used it in triplet form as well, but every right was right-left, left with an accent over the right. And every left was right, right, left with an accent over the left. So if you did oh, okay. right and left, you make a six-stroke roll. So the way that I have my students do it in the beginning is they have to say right out loud while playing the three notes. Mm. Right, 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 right. The hard thing is they have to say left for the other one, which is right, right, left. But they're saying the word left while playing their right hand. Left, left, left. Left, Mm -hmm. left. So that takes a little bit of time. So we'll start with something like four of each. Right, 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 left, 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 right, right. Then two of each. Right, right, left, left, right, right, left, left, right. And then we get into even singles, which becomes a 6 rope roll. Right, left, right, left, right, left. And then we get to the good stuff. So a paradiddle becomes right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, bang, ding, da, ding, ding, ding. That's great. You know, paradiddle, diddle, right, left, right, right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, left, da, ding, ding. So, uh, so that's what I've done with my students. With that is right equals left equals, and then I write out a bunch of right equals what, Um, and that's I think the Morello thing. Yeah, and so, but for, for people that really have a hard time. Creating any kind of improvised flow in the world of triplets, this is literally my uh, concoction for them of like, okay, I, I can fix that for you and give you that vocabulary just out of these two chunks of notes. And then the, uh, as soon as they get that down, then we bring in the bass drum. So right equals right-left kick and mm-hmm. left equals kick right-left.
1: So I have a question and, about that yeah. whole process because my, uh, my uh, kind of completest perfectionist brain when when I'm given those kind of assignments, I feel like I can never stop the practicing of it. Like right. it's, it's endless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when does it actually? That that was a huge problem for me was taking the stuff that I was obsessing over in the practice room, and then having it actually become a musical statement. Yeah, because you can and, go forever, and and I see that happen with. There's some guy like some of that stuff gets so advanced, like you're you're superimposing hybrid rudiments over top of the rights and the lefts. It becomes right. like, well, have I lost the original intention or could I just <laughs> right. invented exercises that didn't need stick control to do this? Right. Um,
0: it's like a huge rabbit hole. I if, think that's why I haven't gone down the, and then you can do this and then you can do it. Like I literally have left it at right, left, left and right, right, left, and then right, left, kick and kick right, left. And then when my students are here... At either for a private lesson or a camp, they'll say, well, couldn't you, like you said, couldn't you do a paradiddle for the right and then right, left, kick, kick for the left? And it's like, yeah, but then we're, it's never going to end. I it's, have to end this at some point. And that becomes um,
1: more of a mental game.
0: Exactly. And so that for me, so what I just told you to do with stick control for me and even what you did with it, that would fall into the first part of my practice. That's non-creative. It is set in stone. If you do exercises uh, 1 through 13 the way that you talked about or the way that I talked about, there's nothing to discuss. You either do it right or you do it wrong. Yeah. The next 10 minutes or the next stage of my practice is when I try to speak with whatever, voca- with it, with whatever freedom that exercise gave me. Then I try to speak, and everyone that has ever tried to do that will know – you actually feel like you didn't learn anything. Yeah. You are paralyzed, You're like, <laughs> yeah. but I can't do it. And it's like that's because this part is hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy for me to come out and play a PDF. Like recitals, they never scared me. I had sheet music. Just do what's there. Yeah. Solo. Oh, God. You want me just to make stuff up? Oh. Yeah. Sure. You don't have a PDF. So so yeah. So that's the next <laughs> stage of the practice. Uh, is okay. I did these things. Now can I turn these things into a sound? There's no more right, left, right, right. None of that stuff. It's... And I'm just singing. And once I can do that, then, it, then that, voc- that vocabulary has validity. It actually makes sense and I'm using it. Um, and so, yeah. So it's a... Uh, like you said, it's it's tough. I think the hardest part is how easy it is to practice something that's set in stone. It's on paper. It's either right or wrong because you can either do it or you can't. And so, like yeah. you said, it's a mental puzzle. All I got to do is solve this puzzle, and then I win. Yeah. When you have to speak, there's no one there to tell you whether you did it right or wrong. And and
1: the kind of the catch is it takes so long to get just the physical and conceptual side down that right for for a lot of. A lot of people, especially students I've worked with, it's like that's all the time they have is, is to just work on that one one pattern. Yeah. And, and they then, still
0: might not even have enough time to get that yeah. down.
1: Yeah. And right. I'm thinking like, well, when do we finally say, okay, be creative with it? I mean, that's like the most daunting task. Like take this really well, complex mental challenge and now remove that and just try to be speak. emotional while you're playing <laughs>
0: yeah i i mean you you know you've been a part of the Mike lessons family facebook page forever i know you've seen like people only complain about stage two they're like i don't know how to be creative with this (laughs) it's like i know it sucks man i'm with you like why do you think i I sit on a drum set for eight hours a day and get nothing done it's because i'm i'm paralyzed by how hard it is to be creative that why do you think i wonder at the glenn coaches of the world that just sit down and they pull springs out of a snare drum i'm (laughs) like oh my god (laughs) Do you know like that I would actually have to practice that and I'd have to write out exercises for pulling pulling you know, <laughs> rubbing my fingernails on hey, the yeah, side I've got, of my I've drum I got a live lesson idea for you. <laughs> yeah Yeah, exactly. Spring okay. technique. <laughs> it's like I I my brain just doesn't work that way. It's all everything I've ever learned was so I could teach it to someone else. So so anyway, so guys, we're <laughs> with you as far as being creative with this stuff. When you learn something like stick control or syncopation or any book that is set in stone. Just know that let, let's even say that you're learning a, a groove out of Future Sounds. Do you want me to actually be able to watch you play and go, "Oh, cool groove study number one out of Future <laughs> yeah. Sounds," or do you want me to say what I should say, which is like, "Oh, cool, were you into David Garibaldi back in the day?" Like, yeah, it should be influenced by it. Shouldn't you? Don't just stop once you get it down. To me, that's the first step. That's non-creative. It's like I didn't take any creativity to learn David Garibaldi's groove. Turning it into something that I could be proud of and that I could take some ownership of, that took – that was the next 20 hours. Yeah. So.
1: I think it's something we've we talked about before is you have to get rid of your self-consciousness and your fear of failing when you're getting to the experimental stuff. Yeah. I mean there's – you know you're going to sound like crap the first time you try to be creative with this stuff. So I think you have to just let go of that and say – I'm going to sound like crap. It's going to take yeah. a long time. Think of how many how many years it takes a child to be able to say a sentence that's not just hilariously
0: awkward. exactly. and what like happens? Years. your parents laugh at you okay. uh, you know I mean Victor Wooten talks about this, like your parents laugh at you, but you're speaking with pros from day one, so right. they they coach you along <clears> the way and yeah. you know but the the difference is that as children, we forget the embarrassment so fast. as adults, we hold on to it like it's just life crushing yeah, right. It's like, dude, you're going to be fine. I mean, I like, I always tell people when they're here, I'm like, what do you think is going to happen if you completely train wreck this exercise? Do you think you're going to die? Do you think <laughs> I'm going to cast you off the island? You are the weakest link. <laughs> like, nothing's going to happen. You're Just go sit down. <laughs> you're fine. Like, you just did what I did a million times. I've been through this so many times. I, I'm on this journey with you. It's like, cool. It'll be better next time. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, keep, keep at it. All right. So I'm sure everybody's like, yeah, I think I'm going to quit. This sounds extremely hard. <laughs> I <laughs> think drumming been... teaches you so much about life and, and ah, makes you mature as a human absolutely. in so many
1: ways. And that's why I think every politician should prove that they have some adequacy on a musical instrument. <laughs> I that think be they amazing? should prove it. I mean, cause if, I mean, seriously, when you're in an orchestra – you're around yeah. a diverse group of people, different intelligence yep. levels, different playing ability. You're having to express non-verbally. You're having to play it on a team. I mean, it's you're like having to be on. led. You have to be led. You have to let go of yep. your ego and say, "I'm playing yep. second violin, and I am very important, but I'm not the lead. Right. I'm playing triangle, and I got to sit here for yeah. nine minutes. But when <laughs> I hit that one note, it's really important. <laughs> yep. So I'm Absolutely. thinking that a lot. Like can can we have, like, a drum-off for politicians? Whoever oh, can play the be best
0: awesome. groove as president, done oh. done deal. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because, you know, <laughs> Donald Trump would just blaze licks all the time. Hillary would just have someone else write her solo for her. And yeah. then there'd be one guy that was an artist. And it's well, like, You know oh. Obama could lay it down. You, <laughs> you know, know he's got fat beats, right? All of a sudden, he's just, oh, yeah. I don't even want to get into it. But, okay. Maybe we'll have a whole thing god, four next years week, from now. We're gonna have a really yeah. weird conversation. Oh, God, <laughs> you, you know what? I was telling Amber this morning. So they had like the uh, anti-Hillary. You know, all the ads are running, right? Yeah. So it's like Hillary did this and did this and did this, and I'm like, that is the worst woman in the history of the world. Then they show who that you would like they'd like you to vote for, and I was like, <laughs> well, oh my god, I can't vote for that guy. And I was like, this is horrible. It, it was so funny. I was like, literally thinking. There's no way that that woman could possibly be run, running for office, and then they show the alternative, and he's like making fun of people with that have like mental issues, and I was like, oh my gosh, making fun of this Miss Universe, I mean, make it, arguably the most beautiful girl alive right? that year, <laughs> making fun of her
1: because she's uh, not pretty enough. Like, it's it was
0: dude. so funny. I was like, "So these are our choices." That's right. Meanwhile, I mean,
1: his his lips are like falling off because they're so <laughs> cracky and chapped. I know. It's So funny. Hair. Yeah, uh, I, I have yeah. An interesting conversation next week. Everyone, Could please Im- go
0: vote. <laughs> Could you imagine how awesome it must be to be Canada right now, just looking down at us, going, "What the hell did you guys do?" Uh, uh, I don't know about you, but
1: I've been unfollowing so many people on Facebook. Yeah, As soon as I see a, po- a political ad that's obviously not been vetted or researched at all, right. like you're just reposting some complete falsehood yeah. garbage. I'm like, From I'm sorry. Onion. I'm glad you wanted to be my friend. I never want to see your post ever
0: again. Yeah. <laughs> you're gone. No, you're not showing I, I, me your dinner or your dogs or your drums. You're yes, gone. <laughs> you're gone. I, I've, I've always said that like uh, tragedies – And and large global events are my favorite things for finding out who somebody really is, and it just you know because I'm stuck at that that limit that Facebook has, but there's always people that I want to add. So I love when something like this happens, and I'm like, oh, cool, click, click, gone, gone, gone. (laughs) Like that's all I need to do here, you know. I'm like, oh, Confederate flag, gone, gone, gone. (laughs) You sound like such elitist right now. Sorry, I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's, that's pretty sad. All right. Well, let's talk about somebody that is an elitist because he's amazing, a uh, good friend of mine, and uh, I'm really happy that his contributions, which are massive and decades long, are now being recognized. Um, and I think social media had a huge hand in this, so we should definitely talk about that aspect because I honestly wouldn't know who this man is without the wonders of Instagram. His name is Ash Sohn, and so uh, I thought it was So-in, but it's not. He told me it's so. take the word Loan and put an S in front of it yep. Ash Soane. Uh So Ash, British drummer You can see him play On UK's version of The Voice Obviously he has notable gigs Like Seal and Adele He's done soundtracks Like uh, Kung Fu Panda 3 He did all the drumming for that He was part of the drumming for the Terminator uh, What was it? Uh, uh, Terminator Genesis So the newest Terminator He did a lot of drumming on that and I think he's also very known for having probably the coolest man cave drum room oh, on the planet, the which we can talk about. Yeah, we can talk about that in length because there's quite a story behind that. So if you guys haven't checked out Ash, literally, you can go to com. That's his website. And you can see his, his discography will boggle the mind. Um, he's... Yeah, if if you've ever heard music while traveling to Europe, you've heard Ash. Because he's on everything that's ever been recorded out of the UK. It seems like. When you're looking at the list, it's like, okay, so this is their Matt Chamberlain. Um and so now have you met Ash before? No, but we just traded emails this
1: morning because he's in the um He's in the December issue. December issue. The current he's issue, just yeah. Out. yeah. So we we reached out to him to make sure he was aware that he was nominated for a Readers poll and then I wanted to touch base with him about maybe getting some video content that we could post to go along with this issue.
0: Ah, oh, he's uh, the the shuffle king, man.
1: Yeah, and I've been following him for a couple of years. I don't remember how I stumbled upon his Instagram, but it was immediately like, whoa, this guy's got some clean, clean pocket. I mean, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I, I was, it's funny because we'd heard his name, we always thought he was like some young, I mean, I guess we're going back 10 years when I was kind of new to the magazine, but Mike Mallonen, the former drummer from the Goo Goo Dolls, okay. uh, had suggested that we, we check him out. I'm like, oh, cool. Here's this young guy who's showing up on Adele's record, yeah. not having any real perspective on just how vital he is on the session scene. So it wasn't just until like a couple years when he really became, I mean, his Instagram stuff is just some of the best out there. I, mean, I, don't, right. I don't think many people can touch him with just his, his feel and his, his clarity it just drives me crazy. It's kind of He's silly. He's playing yeah. doubles, and it's like, is he, are those samples? What the hell is he doing? Right. It's so clean, <laughs> but yet it feels so natural and relaxed. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. combination of clarity and just relaxed flow that mm-hmm. it's kind of untouched. Maybe
0: a little bit of Steve Gadd, but I think Gadd even mm-hmm. plays a little bit more of a physical style than Ash. Yeah. I mean, Ash definitely, I would say Ash is the combination of Steve Gadd. Uh, and um, uh, Jeff uh, Picaro, yeah, that's um, a good, good Jeff You know, uh, Ash is a huge fan of both of them, and he has the diddle, cool thing of Gad, but he has the clarity and the care for music that Picaro did, yeah. and so I think. Um, but the one thing that I love about Ash is he actually has his own ness; he has his own thing, mm-hmm. so obviously he has influences but he is his own guy man and 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 it's undeniable i mean uh, when we would play together i would just so ash and i got to the camp in ireland the same day that mark came a day after so ash and i were setting up our kits and just started jamming and just immediately it was like oh my <laughs> god you're my you're my brother like i like and we have a lot of similar vocabulary so but our vocabulary is different enough that when he would do something then it's like oh And then I would immediately play my version of that. Mm. Not the same sticking, but it's like, okay, well, I get that same result this way. And then he would do his version of the, and and we were just going back and forth, getting similar results on the kit, uh, with different sticking and different approaches. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's absolutely incredible. So now as far as what's covered in the magazine, is it, is it an actual interview or is it more like just a review of him?
1: No, it's a, it's a full feature. Um, Okay. We're trying to tell his whole story, um. But, you know, it's tough, but yeah, it's basically just a lot about the insides of being a session drummer and, and what he's up to. Right. Um, it's a good story. Um, yeah, the pull quote is, is actually kind of right what we were talking about with stick control. Uh, this is on page 52. You have to get to a point where you're conscious of what you're doing, but respond to the music subconsciously. It's a difficult place to be, and I'm still working on it. I mean, that's,
0: that's it. Yeah, there you go still working on it yeah, yeah he's um he's incredible and he, and he lucked out when he uh i can't remember how old he was but he moved to a new uh place in london and the first person that he saw putting an instrument into their car he saw this big tall guy putting a bass into his car and it was pino paladino oh wow
1: <laughs> and
0: so and he was you know uh maybe uh Early twenties, so he walked over to him and met him. And and Pino said, "Man, I live right up there in that flat. Come by anytime." And they've been working together ever since. And um, and so yeah, so um, to cut your teeth with Pino (sighs) is pretty awesome, man. And and at the camp, we got to record. I think I told you we got to record tracks that Pino had played on. So it's like the campers got a chance to you know track drums in a studio in Ireland with Pino on bass. So it was pretty cool stuff. And for Ash to be as excited as he was. So, you know, Mark, Ash and myself stay in the castle in this, um, uh, kind of like right above the main drum room or the main studio room. And so I'm, I'm hanging out with Ash and, he's got his laptop open and he's like he's like just buzzing with excitement he's like i've got like these three tracks i've got all the stems pinos on it you know and then i've got this one with grace jones like and all he's thinking about is how do you think the campers will like this i'm like yeah yeah you have stems that so they're gonna get to track with pinot paladino yeah i think they'll like that bro and he was just buzzing with excitement about it uh and, and he it was awesome so and as soon as we were like Two days in, I said, Ash, can you do this again, man? It's gotta be me, you, and Mark. This is a blast. And and Ash was the pressure release valve for mine and Mark's education. You know, with Mm. my education, it's right in in your face. It is exactly what it is, but it's gonna push you to your limits. Mark is gonna give you something that you really think might be the simplest, dumbest thing ever. And within 20 minutes you realize you honestly can't play quarter notes. Yeah. And he's gonna stretch your brain. And But not with something you can't understand. That's the, that's, the, that's the beauty of Mark's teaching is everyone can understand what he's saying. They just can't apply it the way he does because you have to go so deep. And after two of those 90-minute classes, Ash says, how about we all just play a shuffle along to this track? Right. It's just, and everyone's like, yeah, we should do that. <laughs> um, and so it, it's, it's a really cool thing. So uh, I'm assuming you've seen all the videos. If you watch his Instagram channel, you've seen all of his, his windmill stuff. Um, so that was left on his property, um, wow. and, and it was just the bones of the windmill So what I think I'd, I, I'd probably have to ask Ash Because I don't know if I have the story correct I can't remember if he was thinking about tearing it down Or what the deal was But someone uh, that's an actual contractor Either close to his family or Or maybe works on the farm that he owns Said, you know, we could just rebuild the roof of that And that could become your drum room So you wouldn't have to do the drumming in the house You yeah. could actually walk outside and play all night long that the bones of that old windmill would make a fantastic studio. So if you've seen the roof of it, it is he might have the best drum tracking room on the planet. I mean, it's yeah, there's just, no right corners, there's nothing no. for a bass build up or anything. It's pretty fabulous. Oh, yeah, and the wood was chosen very specifically to be reflective in the right acoustic way. Um, and then you just look around the room and it's like gold record platinum album platinum album gold record it's like oh my goodness that's just incredible and i mean he's kind of new to this i mean instagram is what started it he he was brand new to social media he didn't know any of this stuff and just i guess uh what he had told me was he asked about five or six different producer friends let's not worry about insane budget but you know we're not Going to limit ourselves what would you start your studio with if you were only tracking drums and he bought those mics and that interface and mm. got pro tools and those plugins and he just you know I mean all he does is spend his whole life in the studio so he was able to really spend some time researching the microphones and and the placement and and then it was all a being and if you if you go back and really deep into his feed, I mean he learned and what I mean by that is he sounds. His drum sounds, his drum tones, it's all better now than it was three years ago. Yeah. So it was still a process. You can't just go buy the best gear and think it's going to work. You know, um, We're talking about one of the greatest session drummers alive with the best gear in the world, and he still had to fidget with it and tinker with it until it became his sound. But yeah, yeah. boy's got a sound, man. As soon as you hear it, it's like, oh, that's Ash. You know? Yeah, that's it's Ash. pretty distinct. He, his halftime shuffle is, is no joke for sure. How about we put in a little audio of his halftime shuffle? All right, let's do it. I, I will grab that.
1: December issue I got to review the new Gretsch renowned R2N drum set and also they sent one of their uh, hammered black steel snares so we're going to just talk about the snare drum because I feel like maybe the review didn't give it as much space as it probably deserves. Um, Have you played that drum the hammered steel? Uh,
0: There's a video that's about to come out I I told you about this on the podcast where we all went and played all of their snare drums they filmed us individually And I just got my video from it. Uh, So I'll send it to you. But so I'm going down this row of 20 drums. I stop at two. One of them is this drum. Oh, no kidding. As soon as I got there, I was like, what the hell is that? And when I I don't know if anybody caught it, but when he introduced this, Mike said it's from their full range line. This is a seriously affordable drum. I'm not saying that because I'm a Gretsch artist, I promise you that. Um, But Depending on the size, you're looking between three twenty nine and three sixty nine uh, yeah. sale price. So I have played it, and actually, uh, Andrew Shree from Gretsch, if you're listening, I'll probably be calling you later today because I I want the five of this. Yeah, um, and that's for the my one collection. I reviewed the five. Oh, really? Okay. And it's a
1: it's a steel shell, but I think the hammering kind of kind of softens the the bite of that's, the that's of the, the plan. Steel. But what really impresses me about Every Gretsch snare drum I've played, metal drums in particular, they just have like a density of tone that you would think this is a $1,000 snare drum. So when, you, when I see the price, I'm like, oh my gosh, like if I didn't already have a couple steel drums, this would not have gone back to them. There's no way. Because <laughs> it was just, it was just, it just felt right. Like it was just a dense, thick sound. I think the die cast yeah. tubes play a part in that. Um, and they put a good quality uh, Remo. CS white dot coated head on it. So it's, it just felt like it was just professional. It just felt like I could use this on recordings. You could tune it up. I mean, I didn't have to muffle it at all, and which is rare for a steel drum. And it, it right. kind of had that Chad Smith kind of thing if you tune it kind of high. Real powerful. But then you could tune it really low and get nice, a nice thick sound. Steel is steel's a pretty diverse metal that I think just because it's called steel we assume it's loud and bright
0: and and only right. for hitting really hard, but if it's if the shell no, is made well, it, it can be a really versatile drum. In the video, the first thing they show me doing because obviously I didn't cut the video together, and I was in that room for like 20 minutes going through every drum. I mean, I played every drum, but mm-hmm. they just chose to show these little aspects where I stopped and talked a lot. Um, and the first thing I do is I start tapping it with my finger. I'm like, that is so sensitive, yeah. like it's yeah. super sensitive. I play a press roll on it, then I hit the hell out of it. The but the thing that – because I asked them as soon as it was over. I was like, I, I don't remember steel drums really sound like that. And they said exactly what you said. The hammering diffuses the drum. Yeah. That's the whole point. It's not for looks. It's so that um, so that it kind of – it's it's almost like having a piece of moon gel on the head. Yeah. That's what the hammering does to the shell. Yeah, it felt like it was just dialed in right
1: away, which which is – for someone who's changing snare drums a lot, I don't ha- I don't want to be messing around with, like, dialing in the sound. I just want to put up a drum and have it sound right, and I can adjust right. it up or down for the pitch. But I don't want to be chasing overtones. And this drum and, didn't have any of that stuff.
0: And you kind of mentioned it for a second about the Chad Smith thing, but tuning range-wise, even though it was a 5, could you get it to have a fat sound? Yeah. I mean, it Yeah. I I, cool. I tested the whole uh, all the way up whole all gamut. the way down down to
1: the pillowy you know meat uh, Mick Fleetwood mitt I said meat meat Loaf. meatloaf <laughs> <laughs> meatloaf always had great drum tones man that guy was killing meat that's, <laughs> that's a good good drummer name, Meat Mick Fleetwood kind of sound it, yeah. it does all that uh, and I, and it does handle muffling as well I threw like a wallet on it and got that really detuned sound it was. It's a nice drum. It's a really for that price. I think it's almost like a no brainer if you're in the market for a nice metal drum.
0: Yeah, um, and and it comes. I mean, for anybody that wants to go for something crazy uh, um, as a side snare and affordable, they make it in an eight, a fourteen by eight. Oh wow! Cool. Yeah, so they have so the fourteen by five is three twenty nine. The fourteen by six and a half is three forty nine, and then the fourteen by eight is three sixty nine. So what an uh, unbelievable price. Yeah, I mean, I was actually kind of shocked. So I guess Gretsch, uh, now part of the DW family. I guess they're doing the Shopatron thing because they have the actual prices on their website. Which I got to be honest, I love seeing the prices. Can you just tell me what the hell the price is? Why does yeah. it have to be so hidden? I have to dig. List like, prices even when I- are
1: so stupid.
0: List prices are a joke because it's just so you can tell me how much percentage you took off. But it's like, but that's the price. Yeah, Just tell me what the price is. (laughs) I don't understand why every watch has to have the price tag facing down. Just tell me what the hell the price is. (laughs) I'm either going to buy it. I either have that money or I don't. Why am I so mad today? (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I'm so happy we weren't recording earlier. I was was just (laughs) shooting with both barrels. Anyways, um, I love seeing the actual price. And – you know, and the fact that I think, and maybe you know this more than mm-hmm. I do, but I think the way the Shopatron thing works is you buy it on their website, and then they throw that order out to local shops in your area, or yeah. or someone it's, it's, fulfills yeah. that order, right? It's, I think it's basically a way so
1: a dealer doesn't have to have inventory just sitting on shelves. So your dealer, whoever's closest to
0: you, will get that order. The drum will go to them. You'll go pick it up there. Perfect. Pretty I think sure that's cool. I think with, that's yeah. that, I think that's helping everyone. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. So. 14 by 5 I'm definitely going to order one this week. Um, I just think it's it's a great drum. I honestly don't own a steel snare drum, and it really blew me away at the Gretsch thing. So uh, let's give it a listen.
1: for listener questions actually one of these questions i should have i should have mentioned when we were talking about stick control because uh lizandro asked you know what should he do to study stick control what should Should applications (laughs) should he be using Uh, so hopefully you listened earlier and you got some info out of that. do you know
0: does his last name start with a k
1: i don't have that info but he's from costa rica
0: oh okay um well from costa rica if you are a Mike's Lessons student and you have the all-access pass, I hate to promote the site, but uh, we are covering things to do with stick control and things to do with syncopation next week on the live lessons. Nice. So, and you can watch that as many times as you want in the archives after the live broadcast.
1: All right, so our first question, it comes from Alex Morse. Um, he's been yeah. getting, getting into jazz, and he's studying uh, Art of Bop Drumming book and all that. He's having a struggle with being able to sit and listen to a song that are usually you know, over eight-plus minutes, eight to 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, so he is, it might just be him having a short attention span, or maybe once he can understand it more, he can last longer.
0: But uh, he's basically checks out after three to four minutes. Any tips? It's a weird question, I know. It's not a weird question. I think it's <laughs> actually really common... And it sounds like you're checking out at the pop deadline. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, the world has trained you that songs are three to four minutes long. You've been in bands that have played songs for three to four minutes. And the songs that you've listened to your whole life that are three to four minutes are nowhere near as dense as a jazz tune. Because you can even have uh, you know, a-, a Miles Davis ballad. That's still going to be 3,000 times more dense for your brain to handle what's happening than bubblegum pop tune because it's not going to be served up for you uh so i am with you man uh i would say as somebody that has gone through the same thing i'm still fighting it and i just had to find my particular brand of jazz that was meant for listening uh a good example would be donny mccaslin's album uh i can listen to that because i'm listening to it yeah then there's other things that Mark has played on with Avi Shai Cohen that I actually have to study it, and it is dense. At this seven minute mark, I'm fatigued. I'm like, okay, I got to give this a break because yeah. I'm not listening to it to listen. I'm listening to it to study. So I've just had to divide those into two g- categories. Um, you know, old school jazz. If I'm listening to Miles or Coltrane or or something maybe even older than that, they were pop tunes, so they're easy for me to listen to because mm-hmm. they're they're just pop tunes. They've got melodies. I can sing along with them. They're great. But when I get yeah, when I when people are like, Oh, you gotta check out Tain and I'm like, I can't it's only so, so much I can do. Like <laughs> I I gotta I gotta put my pencil down. Pencils down. Yeah. So uh so as someone that is a lover of jazz, how do you actually listen for pure enjoyment or are you able to turn your brain off? Okay.
1: I do. And I think I think it's kind of like um if I would go to a lecture on astrophysics, I would I would check out after about 30 seconds because I just don't understand the language. I don't understand what the information that they're conveying. So I think you have to be careful. I made a mistake when I was in seventh grade. The first jazz record I bought was A Love Supreme by John Coltrane and Miles Smiles by Miles Davis with Tony Williams. That is like astrophysics of jazz. Right. Uh, So, I mean, I would put it on and be like, I don't understand one note of this. And I would turn it off after 30 seconds. Right. So I think you have to approach jazz if it's not something you were born and raised around as a study. You have to yeah. go back to the to the roots. Listen to some Louis Armstrong. Those those are like two and a half minute songs. Yep. Uh, and try to get familiar with the form and and the concept of they play a theme and then they play variations. Maybe there's a solo. Check out what's the order of the soloing. Right. It's almost always the same. It's the lead instrument and then. If there's two lead instruments, they trade, and then it goes to the rhythm section where the piano and the bass, and if there's a drum solo, that comes after that. That's very common structure. Um, Listen to some Charlie Parker records. Those are usually in the two and a half to three minutes range with Max Roach. Um, So you kind of have to go back and learn the language because if you're just getting overwhelmed and you don't know the form, you don't know what's going on, you're just hearing people play a lot of notes and a lot of rhythms. There's no way you could possibly keep up. So I would try to find simpler simpler albums don't go straight for tony williams go back and listen to max roach for a long time Um, and one thing my college teacher he was really when you're in the the practice mode of of your drumming career we forget to listen we forget to just sit down and listen to music yeah we get so much into like i want to do this i want to do this i want to do this so he would take me in for lessons and we would just listen to one track for like 10 minutes and he would ask me questions along the way. What just changed? What's going on? Why did he go to the rim click? Which mm. Here's a, a question. Which saxophone is soloing now? Do you know if it's the, mm. the alto or the tenor? Yeah, is yeah. that Cannonball Adderley or is that John Coltrane? Like You have wow. to listen and identify you know, what's happening. Um, and as far as something more practical, just focus on one soloist. So if you're going to mm. listen to Kind of Blue, Freddie Freeloader, just listen to Miles Davis' solo and then stop and then rewind it and listen to Mac- Miles Davis' solo again yeah. and, just, and just you ingest. Know, because each solo is like its own piece of music. Oh, so for it sure. just basically yeah. restarts after those three minutes of the trumpet solo. So instead of trying to absorb all of it like you're listening to a Beethoven symphony, just say, I'm only going to listen to the piano solo and I'm going to hear what does Jimmy Cobb do with his left hand to complement what's going on. Yeah. And that's sure. It. So you just got to break it down. It is a study. It's definitely a language. I mean, it, and it's, in it's advanced sophisticated language that I, I mean, there's no way I learned from experience that trying to go straight into the Miles Davis quintet with Tony Williams was like a bad idea. Like, I don't know. they they have no rules. What the hell are they doing? Because I didn't, <laughs> because I didn't you see, like, you literally sound pissed. I didn't see how they had deviated from the traditions. Right. Like why is Miles' Smiles so awesome? It's because they decided we're going to get rid of f- certain forms, but we're going to keep the language. So you have to you have to know a blues form, you have to know a song form, you yeah. have to know the melodies that they're deviating from the original yeah. melodies. So it's sure it's a long study. I think it's it's worthwhile. I mean, I I can sit down and listen to a Love Supreme start to finish and be riveted like I'm watching a you know a, an action movie. And in it's an emotional experience. It's not just the what's Elvin doing kind of an experience. Sure. So you just got to invest a lot of time and just be patient. And, and if you check out for three minutes, then stop. It's important to listen with intent. Don't just put on a record and be like, all right, let me get through this whole Miles Davis record. You have yeah. to listen with intent. Like pick up one little thing that you didn't hear last time. Pick up one little idea or... Try to count through the form, or try to sing the melody over top of the soloist to see, you know, what's happening. Right? Um, it's
0: it's yeah. I, I it's think an it's active I mean, listening it, experience. Like you said, it's its own language, and it would be silly to just keep putting on uh, a French speaking audiobook in your headphones every time you went for a run, thinking that someday on that run you're going to understand it. It's like you don't know the words that made up the language. You'll never understand. It. It's always going to sound like French to you. So I think. Playing it, I think the other thing is you have to gig it. You you understand a lot of that language by speaking it with other people, um, because we've talked about it a million times. And, and stick control and syncopation are great examples of this. Just because I can physically do something doesn't mean like, well, no matter what's happening around me, I'm going to go bop bop on my snare in <laughs> right. three, two, one. <laughs> like that's not why you learned that. You learned that so that you could help out somebody else, or you could answer a call from somebody else and so I think even gigging in the most basic sense would be a great thing for them alright yep. hope cool. that helps Alex we go to our picks of the week now sure oh before so, we do picks of the week oh, yeah. do we want to
1: choose our contest winner from last week I would week? love
0: that our uh, in quotes like that
1: like that we got some funny funny entries for that <laughs> we had some people transcribing your exact phrasing it was pretty cool really <laughs> oh that's awesome one there's one. One, two, a one two three four like that <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome right. so we have uh i whittled it down we got more and more entries this time so thank you everyone for contributing uh we'll do this again soon but we have i whittled it down to 186 entries for us to choose
0: from all right and so, do you have them numbered or do you have to count as you scroll no i'm gonna have to count all right, so I'm so just going to tell you. You're going to
1: do your, your uh, pick of the week first.
0: Okay, I'll do my pick of the week. So my pick of the week is if we, you have a Netflix a subscription. Oh, I, <laughs> I, I meant I meant oh, pick a number I it. and then. I picked a number. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <please. laughs> okay, uh, let's see here. My sticks are two, four, five, one. I'll pick the middle two numbers, so forty-five. All right. Uh, All right. So away. while he's looking up forty-five names in a row. Um, my pick of the week, if you guys have a Netflix subscription, this is free to all of you and it is the new Justin Timberlake and the Tennessee kids concert that has Brian Fraser more on drums. I can't even tell you how unbelievably impressed I am with the level of professionalism and musicianship on that stage for that genre of music. Yes, it's pop. I get it. I, I'm not comparing it by any means to the Miles Davis quintet. What I'm telling you is there is 426,000 people on this stage. It seems like I mean he's got a full horn section, he's got a full choir, uh, he's got background vocals, he's got uh, percussionist, drum set player, multiple guitar players, keys, and Brian Fraser Moore, and it is unreal. Whoever the musical director was, who I think it's the bass player, uh, they talk about it in the intro, but that concert is so well done. It's it'll blow you away. And if you're a fan of Justin's music, what I love is in a concert, can you make the songs better than they were on the album by still get but still give me what I wanted from the album. Give me the hooks, give me everything I was going to sing when I got to the concert, but take it to that next level. Sing better than you sang on the album. Play fills that weren't on the album that elevate and the whole concert is mind-blowing. So, uh you and I covered Brian Fraser more a while back. I got to say, there's a reason why he has these gigs. Yeah, He's really good at doing the big concert, big pop star thing. Yep. He's really good at it, man. Like I, uh, Even as a drummer trying to poke holes in... You know, I mean, I'm not trying to go negative, but that's just the natural thing. It's like, oh, this is what I would have done there. I, I couldn't find a hole to poke, man. He, he, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> this, seriously, just trash this whole episode. <laughs> if you can't see... You guys can't see on Skype right now, but Mike is out of frame the dude is not in the building anymore i'm so sorry you know if you wouldn't have corrected yourself i wouldn't have even let it go noticed it all right all right we'll just keep on moving keep on moving it it was amazing so check out it's the new justin timberlake concert on netflix it's just called justin timberlake and the tennessee kids what is your freaking all right
1: my pick of the week i hope this is still available and i hope i'm not repeating myself but the black widow drum web Mat.
0: Uh, Oh yeah, I don't think you've ever chosen that, but I remember I I got one of those um, a while back.
1: So I use that. What it is is it's like a vinyl mat. It's like it replaces your drum carpet. It's like a. It's shaped more like a spider, like half of a spider web, and it has Velcro and stuff on it. So you can fit your kit on it, and it's it's super stable and it works great. And the best part is it folds up into like the size of a purse, so you can just stuff it in your cymbal bag or stuff it in your hardware bag. So I use that every gig. Um, and it's, it's never had any issues. I took it on the road. I've used it just for weekend gigs and I don't have to carry that stinky beer soaked carpet anymore. Yeah. So that's black widow. Drum Web Mat is unfortunately, I don't think it really caught on like it should have. Um, I don't know if that was the marketing or just drummers being resistant to anything they think might be gimmicky, but it's not a gimmick. It works. No, no,
0: no. It, It works great. I mean, they, they sent me one right away. Um, this, and like you said, it was years ago
1: yeah we're probably like
0: a, almost 10 years back but hopefully yeah. it's still available And um, but yeah I think drummers love that they can swing by any Home Depot or Lowe's and get that $19 drum rug you yeah know. but why do was, you want to take that extra trip to your car to carry a stupid rug bro I don't gig I don't, I'm not taking any <laughs> interest to in my car I don't care that's why when they sent me the, the Black like, Widow one I was <laughs> like hey I don't, I, uh, bro I don't even leave my studio <laughs> my <I'm, laughs> drums are always set up it, it drives me nuts. Even when I have to do a photo shoot, I'm like, "So I got to break that thing down. It's a four piece kit. How am I going to break it down? It's going to take forever. I'll never get it stands. right again. <laughs> exactly. I got to put my stands in the bag. there's stairs involved. I've got. I'm on the second floor, so I've got stairs to get up to the third floor, and I've got stairs to get down mm. to the first floor. So, all right. Well, those are some great picks. Now, do you have a winner for us? I do. It is the winner is Tony Enriquez.
1: Nice. So I'll be emailing you later. I'll be emailing you tomorrow after you've had a chance to listen to the show.
0: Uh, so is that box behind you the first group of sticks that was supposed to get sent out that no, never got those sent are out? out? They're gone. They're gone. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Our first so winner is received. First food. winner has their stuff. Yep.
1: Tony, you'll okay. get a mud stick bag. Um, I think I actually have some sticks here that I might I might throw okay. in for you. Um, and some drummer Festival DVDs. I'll give you a whole bunch of stuff and, and a free subscription to the magazine. So congratulations, awesome. to Tony Enriquez. Everyone else,
0: thank you for entering. And we will do this again in a few weeks. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Well, you have an awesome weekend. Are you gigging this weekend? No. Last week
1: was about four nights in a row. So this week, oh, nothing, nice. which is cool, super man. cool. I'm Enjoy. I've got a lot of easy. stuff to do. I've got I was going to say, say, yeah. So much to uh, review. I mean, yeah, just and just get back into my own stuff. Like I've got to, yeah. I've got to work on some of my own projects here. Maybe we can, and,
0: uh, maybe we can talk about that next week because uh, that's been my focus. Was like, hey, camps are over. Who am I as a player? Yeah, uh, I took six months to focus on everyone else. Um, and and so it's finally getting there where I'm coming home every night. I'm like, babe, 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 I, oh, I'm on fire. It's, it's oh, it's so fun. So I know who I want to be. So maybe we can talk about that a little bit next week. So all right, buddy. Well, everyone, go practice. Please, if you give us, uh, I don't even want to do it. Five star review. Just go to iTunes. Get us. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. I'll see you next week. All right. See you later.